Diary. Today, I interviewed Benny. He was a mascot for five years in high school, and then he helped build the program in college. Take a listen. How long have you been a mascot, or how long were you a mascot? Uh, I was a mascot for about uh, five years. Five years. And why did you decide to become a mascot? You know, I kind of, to some degree, I fell into it, which is kind of common for a lot of people. I started in my high school, and and I kind of wanted to be the mascot in the sense that nobody else was going to be the mascot. But the real reason is they every year they had this assembly where they had all these greased guys who were the senior football players, and they'd come in and they'd have the mascot on their shoulder. And I was like, oh, my gosh, people are going crazy for the mascots. And I didn't realize until several years later that really it's for the football players that all agree stuff. But in my mind, I always thought it was for the mascot. So I instantly was like, oh, those guys are cool. I want to be a mascot. <laughs> so how long were you the high school mascot? You know, I, I was a mascot for two years there. And, and it was very, our mascot program there was very sparse. The, the head itself, it was just a head. And it was a snake is our mascot. We were the Diamondbacks. So it was kind of hard to be a mascot. And we had Jake the snake, and it was just a head. And then he just wear normal clothes underneath. And so uh, I was there for two years, but really it was like four or five assemblies a year. No, yeah, but still, I mean, that's more than than most, I feel. Around here, I don't know. I don't even know of any middle schools that have that. A lot of people, I've been hearing that a lot lately. And they didn't. there was no rule about you having to be a senior because I get both sides where it's like, oh, yeah, you have to be a senior to be the mascot in high school. So, Oh, I, at our school, by far and away, it was just that, hey, we need somebody to do this for the assembly. And I was, I was on student council, so I was like, I'll do it. It's fine with me. Yeah, no, and I, I dig that. And I, I like that, you know, they have the students in the suit. It's not faculty. I mean, it, if it's the last resort i guess that's cool but i i appreciate giving responsibility to the students you know so that's cool yeah. i'm glad to hear that and then so what came after that <laughs> so after that i went to the university and i went to the same university that my sister had gone to and she was currently a student there uh she's five years my senior so she knew several different people on the campus and i think she knew my personality enough to know that i'd be a good fit for the mascot and so she overheard that there were tryouts and she said hey, I signed both of us up. Let's both go. And I said, you know, whatever. You're my older sister. You probably know what's going on. So I kind of tagged along and we went to the tryout, which was very uh, unprofessional, not the right word, but I mean, there, it was just her and I that were applying. And so they said, who would like to go first? And so my sister pointed at me. So I went first and they, they, they said, uh, so we're just going to put some music on and we want you to just kind of pretend to be a mascot. I said, okay, and so they turned some music on, and I, you know, I went over and did some stuff and shook my booty a little bit and um, just had fun. I said, okay, great, and so they turned the music off, and I pointed at my sister, and she said, it's your turn, and my sister said, I'm okay. Oh, my God. And and so I I learned in that second, it it was really my sister's ploy for devising plan for me to be the mascot, because she didn't even, she wasn't even planning on trying out, so to speak. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> but I mean, you're involved now and oh man, I think I would, I don't have, I do have half sisters. We're not very close, but I don't know what I would do in that situation. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I mean, I was totally fine with it. And 
and right when she did, I, I kind of connected all the dots and it kind of makes sense to how my sister rolled. And, but I mean, it, in the end, I was really glad she did that because I, I really loved mascotting and, and that, that experience there, really the whole mascotting experience while I was in college, uh, set me up for a lot of success in life and, and also to really build that mascotting program. No. Yeah. So, uh, obviously you said there was no one that was there trying out. So how was the program? Did you get any benefits being the mascot? So when I started, there was like a, a scholarship that was about $500 or so, which uh, was spread over two semesters. So nothing really. And, and funny enough, the mascotting program, uh, when I started was very poor in the sense that uh, to give you an example, one of my first events I ever went to as the, the university mascot, I went there and the, his, the, his name's Benny. And so I went there and they, someone came up and said, Hey, how's it going, Frank? And he had no idea. And he was an alumni. Obviously he had no idea what the mascot's name was. <laughs> and so that kind of explained how the mascot was viewed in our community is that it was just the thing that was on the court, but nobody really knew what it was, who it was. I think they all inferred it was the school mascot, but very, very unknown in our, in our community. Yeah. Uh, that's a bummer, but I mean, uh, what has changed? We were talking and I feel like a lot of things have changed now. So, so, um, by the time that I ended, uh, there, I, I was able to help the, the program. We grew into two mascots. So we had two students that had, um, $750 per semester each uh, for a scholarship, which, granted, I mean, it wasn't a lot, but it was a lot more than before. We only had one very ragged old suit. We uh, had a second suit purchased. Uh, we won a national championship. We were runner-up for a national championship twice in that time frame. Uh, we turned, really, we turned that brand of that mascot into a celebrity, so much so that prior, the, I mean, my first year, outside community events. I probably did two or three. And the year I left, we did about 200 or so. Oh, wow. So, I mean, what was the process for all of that? I mean, what what are some tips for someone trying to build their program? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it really just came, we, we brought that character to life and gave him a personality. Previously, I think that um, not not necessarily due to the lack of effort from the marketing team at the athletic department. But I think that somebody just, they just found somebody to fill the suit, which accomplished the goal, which was to have the mascot there. But I don't think that anybody who got in that suit viewed it as a real person. And so that, that was kind of what my mantra was when I, when I was there was to make Benny real and he has personality traits. He walks in a way he does the same jokes. He, I mean, he, he, everything like that, he's a real person. And really the thing that skyrocketed him that, that first year I was there, a company did uh, sponsored an advertisement, which they called Benny's Dance. And at the halftime of every uh, game, a basketball game, Benny would do a dance, and then whoever guessed it first or, you know, whatever would win a prize, all to get the name of the brand out of that company. And so what I did is I kind of took it on myself to make that that the point that the, everybody in the stadium wanted to see. Like, I knew that everybody was there to see the basketball game. But in my mind, I said, no, everybody's here to see the mascot. <laughs> and so we did, like, the Napoleon Dynamite dance. And so we got the costume, and 
and I learned the dance moves that, so that it was exactly the same. MC Hammer, Michael Jackson. I mean, we had the costumes. I got the choreography down. We, we, I involved the cheerleaders, so they would, they would come and instantly back up. It was kind of a surprise. So we really used that promotion to skyrocket the personality of the mascot, Benny, into a real person that people could get to know, could experience, could interact with, and could learn to love. That's awesome. I love it. So when you left, did you finally have like a backup and did you have like a handbook all, you know, ready for the next person? Yeah, yeah, we did. We, uh, by the time I left and, and still to this day, they, the mascot squad, there's two individuals who are both considered full-time mascots in the sense that between the two of them, there's so much demand. They, they split those events. There's a handbook where they, um, this is how he walks. This is his signature this is his signature move. Uh, these are the things that he likes. These are the individuals that he likes. The character that we developed, we knew that in our community, we would have much more success if we really connected with children. Uh, because eventually, uh, in some small communities like, like with ours, a majority of those students would want to go to big schools for their education, but the reality would be that they wouldn't uh, due to economic reasons or due to the fact of convenience since it's a town, a university town. And so we thought, if we can convert them when they're a child, and remember, they love Benny, the mascot, they will, when that decision comes further in life, say, I want to go to this university because I remember the mascot. He was awesome, and I loved those times, so why wouldn't I continue the tradition that I started when I was a child? And so that's something we really targeted was children. And so the Benny, the mascot, loves children and always goes out of his way to make a child smile or be happy. No, oh, yeah. I mean, that's the way you do it. I mean, most of the products out there are like advertising to children because they know when you go to the store, yeah. like that's what children ask their parents for. So, um, yeah, no, exactly. It's, I mean, it gets people, it gets the game tickets purchased because parents bring their children. Um, but at the same time, it, it benefits. It's something that, that I'm actually really proud of that we did. We started with, it's called Benny's Book Club, which essentially is um, every classroom in the town, it was offered that if every student read 25 books over the course of the year. The, the first classroom to do it would have a pizza party with Benny the mascot. And it, it started off, we kind of did a pilot program the second or third year while I was there, and it had okay set success, but it expanded to um, the whole district, which included, I think, 20 different elementary schools, and now it expanded to other school districts. So I think it's around 30 to 40 different schools that participate in it with over... Um, I think 10,000 books being read, wow. which, I mean, when you think of it, oh, great, kids read books, but I mean, it's not just we want kids to come and buy tickets to the game. We're really educating people and enhancing their lives. And because they are enhanced, they then will say, oh, I, I like that mascot, not just because he's awesome, but because he, he's enhanced my life oh, yeah. or my child. I love it. You know, I mean, I've said this a million times before. I love community and mascots in community and education. I'm all for education. So I, I love that. And I wish a lot more universities would, would take on that role, like no, no matter where they are. So yeah, I agree. Let's talk about, I mean, competition. You said you were in competition. So what did you do to prep for that? I mean, when you were the only one, I mean, I know you eventually brought in uh, the cheerleaders and everything, but what are some other things that you did to prep to compete on the next level? So the, <laughs> the, 
to set the yeah no that's a great question to set the the paradigm of what it is that the competition itself for most mascots is that they have to perform anywhere from a two to three minute skit or sketch where they tell a story show their character and involve the crowd and those are the basic things and so what i did is i with some of my close friends and my family i developed a skit um, and the first, the first year of the year that we, the won the national championship, the, the skit was based off of name that movie w- with Benny. And so the whole thing was based on, it was kind of a game show that the crowd had to guess what movie it was. And the mascot in turn would imitate that movie or say the funny quotes or whatever it is. And so I just, we worked and worked and worked over it. And when I say me, it really just came down to myself and a few of my family members and a friend or two that we built the props kind of all out of our own pocket because, like I mentioned before, the program didn't exist. But by us, you know, putting that effort in, we travel, we had to pay our own expense to travel to the competition, which is about a 14, 15 hour drive away. And we did that after we won the national championship, that's really what catapulted a large portion of the, the mascot into community fame or community celebrities. Because, I mean, when anybody wins a national anything, it, it's something. It means something. Oh, yeah. that's. Uh, I think that's great. So shout out to your family and your friends for helping you out. I, I can definitely yeah, for relate sure. to you know, that support and just out of pocket, you know, for things that you're passionate about, just, you know, paying out of pocket, because that's something that that you want to do. And and you're really dedicated to. So that's great. And I want to go into like any, you know, problems that you had along the way. So how did you deal with the unsupervised children with the crazy teens, any drunk adults, or maybe I love crazy them. ladies? I, I just love those little kids. <laughs> uh, what, I, what we really tried to incorporate into the character, the character himself was a feline. And so, I mean, you think of cats, they're nimble, they can jump, they can do all that stuff. And so early on, like many mascots, they realized that children love to pull tails of mascots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so what we tried to do is instead of, because a handler was, a, the, the correct solution was to have a handler. Yeah. Someone who's there to say, hey, hold on. Well, that option wasn't provided to us. So what we did is we built into the character physical traits and things that he would do so that he could easily avoid dangerous situations. Um, because of some of my background in, in just na- gymnastics, what I was able to do is when I ever would get into a situation where there's kids, too many kids pulling tails or stuff, I, I would literally, like a cat would, run, jump up onto the stands, pull myself up or jump up and grab the basketball hoop and sit on the basketball hoop or get out of the way, you know? And, and by that time kids and, you know, stay up there for a while or move on and leave. By that time, parents would come in or kids would have to go, or the kids would get the message like, Oh, the guy doesn't want me pulling his tail. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so what we tried to do, cause I think very commonly with all of us, our first reaction is when anybody matches us with us is to grab those little kids neck and be like, yeah, <laughs> we didn't want to do that. And so what we tried to do is make the character, make the traits of the individual, the character itself, be able to ebb and flow and move with the different changing situations so that it would improve the experience of the user or that little child rather than make it a negative, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Do any uh, stories just come to mind? I mean, you did all those reading programs, so something had to come up. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember several different times of, like, kid mosh pits of where, I mean, just you go to a school and it's all these kids with mosh pit around you. They all want high fives. And uh, granted, to get to wade through children, I I mean, I I always love kind of when that happened because I think of, like, when you go in water and you're wading through water, it's kind of hard. I never thought I'd have that experience with people. Uh, But, you know, you'd, you'd be wading through these children. And, like, sometimes what I would do is, like, I grab a kid's head in a very playful manner and like grab the kid and put him under my shoulder like I'm taking him hostage and so everyone's like oh my gosh he's, take, he's taking Billy hostage and so they kind of go play around and everybody would run or I chase one kid and so everybody would kind of spread out because you know they're getting chased um, so on, and, and sometimes I just had to call for help so to speak I mean put my hands up and signal to the teacher sign to the teacher hey these kids killing me yeah and, but, but at that point, I mean, you become the babysitter. I'm sorry. Like, for, if you're with a classroom teacher, they're going to be like, oh, man, like, I'm going to supervise a little bit, but I'm going to let this guy take over, especially if they're like kindergarten. Yeah, sure. So. And, you know, I, and I was lucky a lot of times I, I, with, uh, with the skills to pantomime and communicate, I think, with people. Something that I found really effective, too, is sometimes there would just be that one kid who would just continuously pull and pull the tail or poke and prod. And so what I would do is I'd get down on their level, kneel down, and, you know, look them straight in the eye as the mascot. I'd grab their hand and squeeze their hand so that they got my attention, that I'm not just holding your hand. I'd look right at them, you know, they're looking at me, and then I'd shake my head no. And by that time, they would understand. Now, if they were a real pill, they'd continue, and then I would purposely avoid or ignore them. Because, I mean, if you recognize bad behavior, it will continue. But if you ignore bad behavior, they they can't get any, any attention from it. No, yeah. I think some kids just have no clue whatsoever. And it's just the maturity part of it. And But some kids like do. like uh, I remember I was at Easter Bunny. And this little girl, she, was, she wanted to hold my hand. So she obviously, these aren't like big gloves, just one of those stock Easter Bunny costumes. And she was feeling... Mm-hmm my my hands and she obviously felt my fingers and she like looked up at me she's like i can feel your fingers and i you you saw it click <laughs> like well, i looked down and i just saw it click where she realized like oh you're not the easter bunny like you're there's someone inside there and she was maybe like oh sure four or five but I, I i mean it was i was like well you're very smart i give you that but i feel bad like, i felt bad i was like oh you kind of ruined that for her but no yeah it's just it depends on the kid and the maturity level and what they get and stuff because some just kids won't won't get it um, yeah you're right about that <laughs> any daring things that you did in in the suit i felt mm-hmm. like you pulling yourself up to the basketball hoop, like oh my goodness like i i can't even do a pull-up <laughs> yeah uh we I, I was lucky enough to be able to do stuff that other people wouldn't do. And so what, I did a lot of jumping off of stuff and I mean, you know, kind of dunk competition stuff. There, there's some of that. Uh, I get, I don't know if I have a fear of heights. I, sometimes I do, I guess when I'm scared, but for the most part I don't. And so I would get on top of things where nobody would get on. For example, in our stadium, our football stadium, there's a, the scoreboard, it's probably 60 feet in the air. So we have an indoor, an enclosed stadium. I'd get on top of it during field goals with a sign or just with my hands, you know, try to block or distract the opposing kicker from you know, making the kick. And looking back, that's probably not the best idea to do without like harnesses and stuff. But at the time, you know, it's just part of the character. Like 
that, that's what you do. You get up on stuff and you jump off of stuff and, and you, you roll around and you do some flips. I mean, that, and so I, I did a lot of daring stuff as far as that goes, of jumping off of things. And the best part of that, of doing that, is it built into how people saw the characters because I would I'd interact with someone prior to doing something and I'd say, you know, in Panama, hey, watch this. And I'd jump off of something and then move on so that people would be like, oh my gosh, that man is the coolest. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I did some daring things, probably more daring than I should have, but uh, you only live once and that's what the mascot does. Yeah. Any regrets? Nope. I, not one. I, <laughs> I love, I gave, I, I probably might've been somewhat of a strict individual as far as it comes with mascots, but I, I wouldn't even talk when I was in the sea. I mean, oftentimes you, you have to, in emergency situations, I would communicate with people, but, but I can think of two times when I ever did once uh, when I, um, I was in, I was, it was really hot and I'd been in the suit all day. And so I communicated to the coordinator, uh, the athletic coordinator. I said, look, I, I need to go. And they said, okay. And then another time uh, where I, I saw somebody who uh, I really wanted to associate with and talk to. And so I, I broke my code of silence, my vow of silence and yeah. talked to him. But I, I, besides those two experiences, when I was in the suit, I was the mascot and myself had disappeared. And so I'd, I'd even talk in the suit. No. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, I feel like if it goes with the character, like, yeah, do it. I've seen yelling mascots, obviously tucks I don't right. behind the mask and stuff. If it goes with your character, yeah, go for it. Sound effects, like kissing noises or whatever, whatever it may be, as long as it's right. appropriate. No, I, yeah. But I do understand. I mean, if, I mean, if I, if I was in a mascot costume and I saw Eddie Vedder, cause I'm like a huge Pearl Jam fan, <laughs> I probably would have whispered something weird, but. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you really what, and it, this fit into our character. It's not the same for everybody. What I really tried to do is every action, any, because somebody is always watching you as a mascot. Yeah. And because that is the case, I deliberately knew that every motion, every move, everything that I did was being watched. So that means that if I at any second go out of character, if I turn to a buddy and, you know, whisper something, uh, uh, somebody is going to say, oh, he just broke character. You know, he, he talked to his friend. Or if for any moment, you know, you just you got an inch in the backside, you got to scratch it, you know, unless it was for a comical thing, I, I mean, I'd do that. But if at any moment I tried to do everything I could to continuously be in character. So the magic of that person, that mascot who is not real is it would appear to still be a real person. Oh yeah. And I, I, I appreciate that. Cause I, you definitely do notice that when you're walking through and then you come up to a mascot and it's obviously they're face to face with another person, you know, they were talking, but it's obviously an employee or their handler or whatever. Sure. Um, but yeah. And I understand like if, no one's around, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And at any point, did you think maybe you wanted to pursue mascotting as a career? Uh, you know, very much so, yes. I, uh, Upon graduating, I reached out to some different organizations um, in, in kind of the area where I was um, acquiring work. And I, I had some, uh, let's see, I guess I had some interviews available or that I was going to go to. But um I actually received the opportunity to have employment that took me out of the country uh, into the nation. Uh, I went to Mexico and I moved there for a year to do some, some contract work down there. And there's really aren't a lot of mascot opportunities in, in that country. 
And so because of that, I, I kind of had to say thank you, but no thanks on the interview. I, this this is a good thing for my family. And so uh, I just, I've moved back now from Mexico, and I'm, I'm in that process of connecting with the, the right people to have those opportunities again. Oh, yeah. And so what would you say is the hardest thing about mascotting? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing's hard about it, like the heat or anything? <laughs> Staying well, it, and I, I might be different, um, but everything, to me, it's such a passion that there is not one thing that I think is hard because it is so much fun to me. I, it is, I love it. I mean, even to this day, I have no connections with really any association where I'm every day going to a mascotting, but I think about it every day. And so, I mean, I would, if I did have to pinpoint something that's hard, I think the hardest thing is when your team or the, the organization, which you're cheering for um, is consistently losing and you yourself have to be the super fan when there's nothing to cheer but yourself or your character. Yeah, um, no. So that, I, I, I do think if I had to pinpoint, that would be something that's hard. But what an, for me, it was what an opportunity to uh, be a mascot. And, and you know, I, and I, had to exp- I got to experience that firsthand. I went to a university where they led the nation with the longest losing streak in, in football, which was very challenging because you wouldn't have anybody in the stands to play off of, to interact with. And obviously your team's not good enough to have something to cheer about. And so because of that, though, I really was able to develop different techniques that uh, still make people happy and still make people cheer for something that even though they knew eminently we would lose. So I, to some degree, I, that is hard, but I just loved what I did so much that it made it not hard because it was a challenge to get people to cheer when there's nothing to cheer about. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I admire that point of view you know so such positivity and i definitely understand there just being not a lot to cheer about i recently went to a game it was so hot i mean there were people there but they just weren't in the stands and there was no shade over the stands and okay uh, oh my gosh so the very last row was filled because that's where the shade was and people were just packed up under the tree and like i think there was the these little patios i guess they were supposed to be for private parties but i think people like i was in there at one point because i didn't realize like oh this for a private party but that's where the only (laughs) shade was and it was tough the mascot like standing out there there was no one in front of him i mean i posted the video but he was doing his thing he was doing his job i mean that's what mascots do so yeah so your favorite thing about mascotting (laughs) i think my favorite thing is is the moment when you see somebody light up because of the interaction you had with them has made has changed them. And, uh, and I mean, that's very common amongst children that you can interact with them and, and make them happier. But even so, I, I strived to find what I did at every event that I went to is I, I said, you know, I, I know I am here for the collective whole, for the whole stands, for all of the people here. But my goal every time was just find the one, find that one person who's having a bad day and go change their life. Now, granted, a mascot can't change somebody's life, and, you know, they quit smoking, they turn their life around. I know that's not what's really going to happen, but that's how I viewed it, because I knew the power of an individual, of a mascot, to affect people. And so that, that's what I did, um, and that was my favorite part, was looking for that person, interacting with them, and really trying to make their day. Oh, yeah. I definitely do think mascots make life better. They might not necessarily 
change your whole entire life, you know, I mean, that's that's your responsibility, I feel like, but to view the way however you view I know. It, but, I, um, wouldn't it just be awesome just like, you know, go you go to work and like one of your coworkers is a mascot, like he's not a person, he's a mascot. Like how often you go to work and like, oh, dude, it's it's Bob the Builder. And he, you know, or, or hey, look, it, I mean, it's it's uh, Benny the Bulls there, you know, whoever it is. I just think that would be so cool. And so that's, but mascots are great. I like it. I yeah. like it. It should be a rule that every company has to have a mascot. Every school, every everything, every business. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I, let's let's make that law today. All in favor. <laughs> we I, do have Trump as president. I, I think he'd go for it. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some possibility in that. I don't want to mix. I don't want to mix. <laughs> Whoa, Politics you're crossing the line now. <laughs> I might have to edit that out. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> no worries. Uh, so. Did do you have any mascots that inspire you that you want to shout out? You know, I I will say this: one of the mascots that currently inspires me the most is Ronnie the Rhino. Ronnie Rhino. Um, and the reason I say that is I I met I was able to connect with him from your podcast. I mean, I met him, and I have just determined personally that being a mascot in the UK is way better than anywhere else. And the reason I say that is just crazy. Like the stories that they tell, I've heard another one where another mascot, they, the opposing team traded their mascot out and put a bruiser in the mascot costume to, with the intent to go beat up the mascot. And the guy was aware enough to know that what was happening, pushed him out of the way and the opposing mascot's head fell off. So he grabbed the head and threw it into the opposing fan's stand and said, you know, go my team. And he is famous now. Um, <laughs> But because wow. I, I I only say that because but um, I do look up to you, Ronnie, if you're if you're listening here. Um, I think some other individuals or some other mascots that I really looked up and as I they kind of mentored me via their videos on YouTube. I, I listened or I saw a lot of Avi from the University of Auburn, um, Goldie the Gopher, kind of that 2008-2010 mascots. Those those ones I really watched a lot of their videos and and created a character from different elements that they had. Sparty from Michigan, the Jazz Bear in Utah. He's uh, very famous, but those are some that I really, really looked up to or, or associate. I watched them and then was able to develop my own character from them. That's awesome. And I definitely love those UK mascots. I I mean, it's just crazy that that's, you can make mascotting a career over here. And from what I'm hearing, you know, obviously like through the podcast, there's not much pay you know in the uk but they still have these amazing stories and and they're in it till the end most of the people that that i've talked to and i i hope to reach out to a few i've tried and i didn't get a response so i'm pretty bummed about that <laughs> i've been trying to get like a, a soccer or football as they call it um mascot and i've i've had no luck so um i'm hoping to reach out to a few and i it's it's a bummer because my my way is through like twitter obviously and mascot mail so i'll i'll make mascot mail and i've i've had a few just sitting there and they like no response i mean and i'm just like oh well, now mm-hmm. i'm gonna rip this out and take the stickers because i want to send out some stickers <laughs> and so dead end there but uh hopefully hopefully i'll get a couple more um from the uk and Canada, I'm still waiting for my Canadian mascot. <laughs> hey, and, or maybe uh, Australia. I need to reach out over there too. But yeah. Anyways, uh, do you have any advice for people wanting to improve 
their mascotting program? Or, I mean, you've already given that out or just who want to be a mascot, any advice? Sure. Yeah. I would say if you want to become a mascot, uh, it's, it's finding the, it's really developing who you are as a character. In my opinion, uh, I think each one of us, granted, I, I realize that every organization would like consistency with the mascots. And, and I agree with that consistency is key, but at the same time, each one of us has a unique talent or unique characteristics or unique point of view of the world that really can enhance or build upon that consistency that already exists. For example, after I was the mascot for a while at the university, the second one was hired because we created the need for it. And he was an exceptional break dancer, exceptional. And at that point, I mean, I, I was decent, but he was exceptional. And so what we did is we said, okay, well, let's, let's add that to the character and, and enhance him as a, a break dancer. And so there's obviously when he was the mascot, exceptional dancing. And when I was the mascot, okay, break dancing. I mean, he taught me moves and we enhanced it. But but at the same time, each, I would say, the best counselor or best advice I could give is use the talents that you have to enhance that consistency that already exists. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I love consistency about mascots, whether uh, there's two or you don't have a, a consistent person and just fake it and communication is the key so that they there you can't tell and it's flawless <laughs> yeah i no you're right I, and I, I if i could add one more thing that i think is just paramount that, that i think a lot of individuals don't understand is um, as a mascot you're like batman like nobody knows who you are so you can do whatever you want and walk away i've just broken breaking so many rules but no one will ever know and so that with that same token, don't be afraid to try things. I mean, if, and if you plan it out and it works great, then you know. And if not, you try something and it doesn't, well, then you know. But you're the mascot, so do what you want. And, and just go and try it. Because the only thing that can go wrong is that you can break your knee. <laughs> I mean, granted, you obviously need to be safe. But that would be another thing that counts is you're, you're anonymous. I mean, you're, nobody knows who you are, so that that affords you the the ability to try anything and do anything you want. Oh yeah, definitely good advice. And any shout outs, shout outs to anyone in the world. I I'm gonna do a shout out uh, to my my now wife at the time. She wasn't my wife. She uh, grew to know who I was. Uh, I might be I might be somewhat different, but I was very secretive of of whom I was at the university. So much so that. Uh, members of my own family, my brothers and sisters, didn't know who I was for about a year or two after um, I'd been doing it, I, just because I wanted to be such a secret. But my obviously, I had to let my wife into the secret, and I'd give a shout-out to her because she was a big support. Uh, also, a shout-out to my coordinator. Her name's Kaylee, and she was phenomenal. She would take my crazy ideas and make them realities of, of how we could enhance the, the mascot. And, and more... And I would say even more so shout out to the community, which I was able to associate with because they accepted that mascot who previously nobody knew his name and, and now to some degree is somewhat of a local celebrity. And so I, I give those shout outs to the, those people that really helped. Because I mean, I helped with it, but really they're the ones that built it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And oh, man, I have this weird idea. I'm still trying to make it happen. I don't know. I would love to have the wife of a mascot on the show, like to just get their perspective of it and like dealing with, you know, the long hours or the stinky suits. And 
<laughs> I don't know. Oh, Maybe man, I'll that yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah I'll, I'll ask my wife. She might, uh, she's not as flamboyant as I, which is probably a good thing because I think if we were both mascots, uh, I mean, in the sense that we do it, it'd be, uh, there'd be some conflict at home, but she's a good neutral person for me. She'd come to a lot of the games and she'd hold the props and stuff and be, uh, more con- she, I mean, I even convinced her to help and participate in a couple of skits once or twice. And that she was like, thank you very much. I'll never do that again. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, shout out uh, to your wife and uh, Kaylee, because I really do believe that it's, it's a team. It's a support system, whether it's your supervisor, or your handler, and, you know, your wife supporting you. And shout out to your sister who conned you into being the mascot. Yeah. That's love uh, right there. And, and if I could also, if I could also throw in, a, I'd also like to give a shout out to the university president and especially to his wife. Um, early on that first year when I did it, um, some through, uh, I don't know, stroke of luck, whatever, I was associating with him and they kind of said, wow, that, that mascot's a little bit different than what we typically ha- had. And he took a special interest into the mascot, and because of his wife, we were able to find uh, ample funding for purchasing new suits, opening scholarship opportunities, and different community events. So uh, a big shout-out to the university president, who I think recognized that if the mascot or the person who represents the university does well and um, is successful, then it will appear to the community and to the rest of the world that the, the university is doing well as well. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. And thank you. So I just want to shout out you as well. <laughs> thank you for reaching out. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your time um, and just sharing your stories. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I think this is great advice for people, you know, that want to build the program and just all the mascots out there. Yeah. So thank you. Um, I, I'll tell you. No, I, if I could, I want to end with a funny story, probably the one of the best. So right, right when we switched to two mascots and we had two, uh, we always set the scale, uh, calendar. Like, you go to this game, I'll go to this game. Well, there's one game where we both accidentally uh, were scheduled to go. And so we, bo- we both went, we both dressed. And I, I went on early and was there for pregame and stuff. And then I, I was walking out. And right as I was about to walk out, I saw in another door he was just about to come in and I was like, Oh my gosh, we're both here. And so like I sped up and jumped out so that I was outside. And so there's, you know, three or four seconds and then boom, instantaneously he walked out. And there was, I kind of later learned that there's some people who are like, wow, you're so, you're so fast and changing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, grateful. I'm grateful. I was able to catch him out of court of my, which was a miracle because you know, no fast stuff since you can't see uh, but we were able to kind of save the day on that. And so that was kind of fun to be able to it, create some magic out of some confusion. Yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> Scheduling, I'm telling you, like in, consistency is a big factor in communication and all that. <laughs> so. Oh, oh, man, sister. But, uh, and big shout out to you. This is, I have, uh, I found your podcast and I've been listening. I consider myself somewhat of a super fan. I, I have two episodes that I haven't listened to yet. I'm still working through and boy, what a fun idea that you've had and how it's really grown. And I, I feel very honored to be on your show. I've been nervous for this whole week. So I, I feel like I'm like talking to the Madonna of my podcast. You know, the, uh, you're just uh, you've become somewhat of an idol in my mind. So thank shout out to you for doing this. It's really cool. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And now you know that what goes into it. I mean, there'll be some editing here and there and my technical difficulties and all that. But um, 
but yeah thank you thank you for reaching out thank you for listening and, and for being on the show i really appreciate it <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll try to find some other mascots for you. Oh, yeah. I would appreciate that. Anyone you want to send over. <laughs> I know it's like... Yeah, for sure. You're going to be 35, and I wasn't sure I was going to make it. But I tell you, it comes in waves. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, boom, I get three emails. But for two weeks, it's like, I got nothing, you know? So I just... Oh, I we're keeping know. you going for a long time. Don't you worry, sister. <laughs> Thanks again. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Bye. And that was it for episode number 35. Next week, it'll be a best of... And I have one more after that. I'm still scheduling with a couple more people, but nothing's been set yet. Nothing's been recorded. So we might get to 38, but we'll see. If you'd like to be on the show, please contact me at contact at mascotdiaries.com. You can follow me on any social media. It's Mascot Diaries on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And it's just been really crazy. My schedule won't be as flexible these first few weeks. I started at the new job, you guys. Super excited. It's just a ton of work though. (laughs) And it's fine. It's fine because I love my commute. It's five minutes away and well to my office. And then I go from school to school there, but I love it. It's, it's in my community. It's awesome. I'm just really enjoying it and I get paid more. So yay. Shout out to Rowdy and (laughs) Rudy (laughs) and my producer, So shout out to my producer and Rudy for taking the trip all the way to Oxnard to see Rowdy. Uh, I don't know, man. It was just crazy. I thought we can make it like in an hour and a half. But no, man, we left. We left at three and we didn't get over there until like 530 and practice ended at uh, six. And by the time we got there, someone had set me up with VIP passes and it just didn't work out. Everything was like already closing down. So I didn't get to pick up passes. So, oh man. But luckily Rowdy found me and he came out to say hi. And yeah, I took a picture with the ring. So I posted those pictures on Instagram and it was good times. I love meeting the people, you know, that have been in contact with me, you know, whether they've given me an interview or whether it's just been like, yeah, I'm listening to the podcast and I really dig it. So really appreciate that person's time and the effort of getting me passes, but me just not getting there on time to pick them up. I think that's probably going to be one of my last mascot adventures. If Cosmo's anywhere near me, I will definitely go check him out. Like he was at the Walmart down the street. So <laughs> yeah, but I don't think I'll be checking out any more Galaxy games. Hockey season is almost almost back so i will be seeing a lot more of bailey so you'll probably see a bunch of posts about bailey and i apologize in this episode i should have said this earlier it was around the fourth of july when i recorded this and even though it was in the day i i mean i live in an okay area but there's just always fireworks going off no matter what time of the year it is oh my gosh my dogs were just pacing because fireworks were going off so you can hear their nails in the background and i apologize but but yeah i think that's it please contact me if you want to be on the show trying to get to 40 we'll see and as always thank you for listening and take care